episode two of Being a Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Coach E. And today's show, I have a very special guest. Um, this gentleman is from the same brotherhood that I've been a part of for the past 30-some years when I graduated in high, from high school. Um, could everyone please welcome Mr. Ronnie Gibson, former coach and championship coach from Bourbon Bay High School in Watts, California. Ronnie, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, thank you for being here, brother. You know, uh, when I first started this thing, my wife said, you got enough people you can talk to? And the very first person that was on my list, your name came to mind, man. <laughs> I really appreciate you doing this for me. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, thinking of me that way. Uh, since we're so far removed from my high school days, and um, I think you're a couple of years ahead of me. Yes, sir. And, you know, we haven't been in touch, so I appreciate that. From uh, oh, recognize what I did from afar. Yes, sir. I, you know, actually, um, when you that your second season, when you won that second championship, um, I came to a couple of games, and then oh, okay. um, I, yeah, I saw you play, and I was like, man, this dude Ronnie can coach. I know. I was like, man, I was very impressed. And so then I moved out here, man, and then all other stuff started going on. So it's it's a pleasure to have you here, man. And so um, if you're ready, man, we can get started, sir. Oh, yes, I'm definitely ready. Okay. Ronnie, um, briefly, can you give our listeners uh, a brief background on yourself and what are you doing today? Okay, yes. I uh, graduated from Bourbon Day High School in uh, 1987. I started in Bourbon Day in uh, 1984. It was um, one of the best choices I've made to go to the school. Um, as everybody knows, our community at Bourbon Day and our alumni association is a great family, fraternity, um, in terms of sports at Bourbon Day, I played two years of varsity basketball my senior year. I was all-league and uh, all-Central City, which is one of the best players in the L.A. area. Uh, I think they picked the top 10, top 15 okay. players of that of that year. So I made all-Central City. And then from there, I went to Cerritos College. I did two years, uh, Cerritos College, and um, was uh, all-state and won a championship there. And then I transferred over to Colorado State and uh, finished my basketball career at Colorado State. And presently, I'm currently a longshoreman at the Port of Long Beach in L.A. Okay. Um, I didn't know you won a um, championship over there when you was at Cerritos, man. I didn't know that. Yes, I won uh, my freshman year, my first year there. I came off the bench um, and was the second leading scorer on the team coming off the bench. But I mean, I played all the minutes. I just didn't. I wasn't in the game for the jump ball. I was in the game five minutes into the game. Yeah. So how was it um, going to Colorado State, being up in that cold, coming from Southern California, man? Uh, Colorado, it was great. You know, it wasn't really the kind of cold because they didn't get the win. Okay. Um, they didn't get the win, you know, uh, along with the cold. You know, the weather was, was tricky. It would be snowing, cats and dog one day, and then sunny the next. So I think when I was out there back in 90 and the two years I was out there, the first year I was out there was one of the, the coldest winters they had uh, okay. in many, many years. So it wasn't as bad as uh, as I thought it would be. The hardest part was walking in the snow uh, when the ice was on the ground. You had to be careful not to slip. Yeah, because that black ice, man, I know they have it out here on the roads, man. And, and, and Austin, when we do get that cold and get that little sleet and stuff, I mean, they shut everything down. 
schools, yeah. work, everything, because, you know, just people already can't drive anyway. So, right. yeah, I understand that part. So, Ronnie, how was it going to uh, all-boys school located in Watt, right next to Nickerson Gardens at Bourbon Day? How was that? Well, at the time, you know, Bourbon Day was always known for uh, their sports program. So, you know, when you was coming up as just focusing or just wanted to play sports and you heard about Bourbon Day, being at an all-boys school didn't matter because you was going there for the notoriety and get your game together. Whatever sport you was playing, you wanted to play at a top-level school. And at that time, Bourbon Day was a top-level school against with top-level players, um, top competition, and we played tough schedule. The teachers was great, and like I said, the student body and the camaraderie that we had on campus was the best, but just the best. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was one thing that um, attracted me. I think I was in the eighth grade, and I went to see um, Bourbon Day and Morningside play. And mm-hmm. I saw the student body at Bourbon and how they was all hype men cheering and acting crazy. And I was like, oh, man, that's why I want to go to school and another thing about that is that I think in my heyday and maybe yours as well, um, we might have had 300 students in that school. And exactly. To go yeah. out, and to go out and compete with these bigger schools and give them problems, man, I just thought that was a phenomenal thing. I mean, did you feel the same way about that? Oh, definitely for sure, because you got to remember when the school first started, one of the best players ever to come out of the school was uh, Raymond Lewis yes, and the, the talent that came through there for basketball and football. I mean, it was just a place to go through. And then if you even hear about the kids who transferred out of Bourbon Day to go to other schools, they end up being top-notch players like L. Hud, uh, uh, Earl Duncan, Stephen Thompson. I mean, you had so many football and basketball players that left Bourbon Day that went to other schools and they were great players and moved on to college. So it was just a place to be in the uh, 70s and 80s. Yeah, it was, man, because I know um, a lot of people know that Dwayne Poley went to Bourbon Day first. Before he went and to Dwayne Poley, yes. Yeah, right. so all them cats went there. Um, so, yeah, it was a beautiful thing because, man, if, if you couldn't play, man, I think that's why people, some people left, man. It was just so much talent at that school, at that little tiny school. It was incredible. Ronnie, what? And and we did, and, and, and we must add this, Everett. And you yes, know we didn't have the best facilities. No, we did. We when I was there, man, we had that that tile gym. It was a tile mm-hmm. in the gym, and people don't realize that. And then, because I more played more football, we didn't even have no field. I feel right. my practice field was number gopher holes. In the four years I was at Birmingham, we never had a true home game. We always played right. Compton College. Um, Jackie Robinson Stadium, and so forth. So, and and we still used to whoop everybody, man, without having our own facilities. That's without crazy. even having our own field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that is really crazy. So, Ronnie, um, <clears throat> what inspired you to get into coaching and working with our youth, especially in the inner city where we come from? Well, back in um, I think it was '96. My my little brother was going to Bourbon Day also. So my okay. mom, you know, she she never left Birmingham Day, um, you know, because transitioned from me to my little brother. And Coach Knox had took over the basketball team. Something happened with the coach. Coach Knox took over the team, and he sent message by way of my mom and asked me that I want to coach. And okay. that's how I got the coaching bug from Coach Knox, and I'll give him all the thanks. 
for uh, one thinking of me in that moment and allowing me to come to Bourbon Day to help him out for two years. We did pretty good with the uh, two years that I was there. Um, so that's basically how I got started coaching at Bourbon Day and okay. coaching, period. Okay, so that was it. And it was just, was there something that you thought in the back of your mind that you would want to do later on when you finished college or just because of the opportunity that you got from Knox is why you um, did it? Well, I, I first wanted to be a ref. And then, okay. <laughs> you know, reference ref was fun, um, but once Coach Knox gave me that call and it just showed me the different side, I like I like coaching more. I like getting on the ref more than being the one taking the brunt of abuse as a ref. And so basically I had never thought about coaching until Coach Knox had okay. gave, gave me that opportunity. And, but the way when I, when I saw you coach a few times, Ronnie, but the way you you know you coach the command you had for the game the way your 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 players play man you would think that, that was, you was a natural born person to be a coach man yeah you know um i guess we all have a certain calling in life and it just takes one person to allow you to tap into that because um once then i once i started coaching with greenwood i learned a lot from him he allowed me to do certain things in practice where I, a lot of the days, majority of the days, I was able to run the whole practice, stand in front of the team before before games and after practice. And he trusted me in the huddle to lean. You know, if he asked me an opinion, he trusted my opinion. And he would allow me to also express it to the team. No, you go tell him instead of me telling him. And then he translates. He would tell me, no, you go talk to the team and what you saw. So that prepared me. So when it was my turn, it was um, just natural progression. And I guess with all the years of me playing basketball right. and loving sports, that it helped me a lot. Yes, sir. That That's true. So, uh, Ronnie, you guys won back-to-back CIS championships. Um, what was that feeling like as a coach? And also, what you know, for, as for your players, what was that feeling like? And for the Bourbon Day community, what was that feeling like winning that, those two championships? Well, the first two that I won was the assistant coach with Greenwood. And I, oh, wow. Bourbon Day had I won. In the, okay. Yeah, uh, I won the first two with Greenwood. We won CIF and State. We had two really, really good teams. And uh, the that really bought – and that's when Bourbon Day we got our, had our own gym. That's when the gym was built. So that made it even better where all alumni, we was actually on campus winning games, and uh, that was great. Our first championship was against Sarah, and we had played Sarah in years, and we beat them at the Anaheim Pond, and then we went up Sacramento and won the state. And the next year we had the same, basically the same team coming back, and it was just a natural progression. But to see the alumni and the community and the the write-ups in the paper, Bourbon Day, the powerhouse of the 70s is back under the leadership of uh, David Greenwood. It was just where we belong. That's the that's way I looked at it. And then when uh, Mike, then when I took over and won my two back-to-back, it was just natural because uh, they changed the rules to where you played more about, about play teams that was in your uh, enrollment status and everything. Okay. So it was not as not as easy, but it wasn't as hard. But it, I made sure in the preseason we played all top-notch schools. So when we got to the chance to the, to the uh, playoffs, it'd be a cakewalk. And as far as the community, basically when I won my two championships, you know I had articles about Bourbon Day is back and how the team looks and how the team plays. So 
that's what, like I said, once again, it was where Bourbon Day belonged. Right, so basically what you're telling me, y'all won four in a row then. You won two as assistant with Greenwood, and then when you took over, you won two more. It was uh, Greenwood. It was a split in between there because I didn't get okay. that. Green, Greenwood last year was 99, and then I didn't uh, – when Greenwood left, I left, and then he came back in 2002 to take the job, basically to get me in the door to take the job. Oh, and okay. uh, so it was a little different. Yeah, and yeah, it was a yeah, it was a little different. I don't. They didn't win any championships the year that we wasn't there. And then when when I got there in 2002, we just continued the championship run, and it would have went a little bit further, but yeah, we're getting there in the happen. middle. But you, yeah. you know what? I, I can kind of relate to you a little bit because I know in '81 when I was a junior, and we won the first ever football sales championship. Man, that was, dude, that was just amazing. You know, I think because a lot of them had been there for some years and they, you know, they just mm-hmm. didn't quite get over that hump again. We got over that hump for them, man. And I could, I still remember those, that year. And then the following year when I became a senior, we did one better than the junior. We went undefeated and won it again. So, and I still go back to those things, man, because, I mean, that's something that is hard to take away from somebody when you win a championship. Yeah, championships, whether you, like you say, uh, wherever you win a championship, it's always in the record books, and you can never take that away because it's in black and white. And winning the championship that Verbum Day for me as a coach, because for one, my senior year in high school, we had such a really good team. You know, I don't like to go here, but the coaching was terrible. I mean, myself, Rayshon, and Kevin Williams, we was all Division Division One basketball players, all played Division One basketball. Right. And Mm -hmm. We didn't we didn't make the playoffs, and we wow. scored. Yeah, I averaged nineteen. Rashawn averaged twenty. Kevin had already signed with UCLA. He okay. was averaging eighteen. So I mean, we was unstoppable. Just that we we didn't have the discipline that we needed to get us over that hump. But so when I came back and won championship that Bourbon Day to win a championship at your own school, as most people will tell you, is no better feeling. Yeah, that that is one hundred percent true. I I, I, didn't, I forgot. I didn't realize that you and Kevin Williams and him was all on the same team, man. I really forgot about yeah. that until just now. Yeah, y'all was stacked yeah. that year too, bro. <laughs> I mean, y'all yeah, we were we was real stacked. Yeah, y'all yeah, we had Ed O'Bannon. Ed O'Bannon was on the team. We had oh, we had wow. a squad. And then O'Bannon left and went to Artesia. Then O'Bannon left and went to Artesia. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they got tired of that tile floor too, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, uh, that's 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 truly amazing. You know, Ronnie. You know, when I started coaching, and then when I moved out here, I started coaching. One of the things that I tried to do is make it more about the sport that I'm coaching, and I always preach to people that coaching is about making a positive impact on your players' lives beyond the sport that you are coaching. Um, how do you feel about that statement? Well, you know, uh, coaching at Bourbon Day, like you said, it's all-boys school, and a lot of the kids that that's going there come from your similar background. Like me, I'm single parent, home, no father in the house. And a lot of my players are that. So when you're yes. standing in front of those young men with those same struggles that you had, parents, struggling to make ends meet, you've got to be that positive role model. Uh, so I made it a point when I walked through that door every single day, when I sat down the ground rules, I, t- I had an open practice. The parents could sit in the stands as okay. long as they don't, you know, they don't talk. 
I didn't swear at the kids. I never uh, called kids out their name. And I made sure that our, our practices were the same way. We weren't going to be cussing. We weren't going to be out of control. We were going to be disciplined. And, you know, so I tried to conduct myself in that way on, in practice, at the games, in the stands, everything. So everything I did was a role model for them. You know, when I came to the game, I made sure my clothes was nice and, and decent looking and really nice dress. So, and I wanted my players to have on their uniform because we wore a uniform. You know, when we go into these other schools, I don't want no pants hanging off your butt. Get that tie buttoned up and you sit in the stands and we're going to act like fine young black men. Yeah, yeah, you used to be sharp on those sidelines. I got to admit, Roddy, you used to be sharp. And you know what's funny, man? That. I don't like I got a story to tell today. about that also. Okay, I um, I don't wear ties today because of those four years of Bourbon Day. I hate wearing ties, man. <laughs> and, you know, I'm the opposite. Uh, I can wear a tie with no problem because of Bourbon Day. But, you know, uh, to each his own, but it still trained us that when we got to wear a tie, Wear yes, tie and hard shoes. Mm-hmm. So, what was the story about the, the dressing on the sideline, man? Okay, so you know, I like you said, I, I would try to dress nice, professional, everything. So, I had one of my uh, the manager, the team manager. His name is Devon Thomas. You probably heard of me doing really good things in the community. He's over at Pius now, and okay. he's like the, the he's called the guru. Got all these kids. You know, he was at the leagues and he sent kids to Oregon, all over the Pac-10. Manny yes, at doing his thing oh, wow. at uh at Pius. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's big time. And uh so one day he came up to me and was like, Coach Gibson, I'm gonna wear a canary yellow suit because I wanna look better than you tomorrow at the game. And do you know <laughs> that kid wore that canary yellow suit and a suit for the rest of the team? Because it was towards the end of the year. Uh, right. as it got but he wore a suit or dressed up every single day. Because I look at it as the influence that I had gave on him. He just wanted to look better than me. Because, like I said, I treated him like he's one of my players. I didn't, okay. you know, he wrote the game. He did his thing. He got everything that the other kids got as a team manager, and that's what he told me. So if I made that kind of influence on him, and he was a ninth grader at the time, then right. he did your part. Yes, yeah, sir. So basically you said you, can't let, you couldn't let him outdress you then. <laughs> no, that's what that's that was his thing. He was like, "Oh, Coach Gibson, I'm about to outdress you, so you know I do it." <laughs> wow, man, man, you gotta love that, man. You gotta love. Yeah. That. And Ronnie, you know, I don't know what happened when I transferred, but after you won your second championship, um, the following year, Burb they didn't renew your contract, and I read an article from the then principal named Benjamin Callaway. I don't know if he's yes. still there now, whatever. And he stated that the reason that you didn't come back is because of theological differences between you, you guys and y'all just couldn't overcome them. Is that correct, man, or, or is it more to that? Okay, it started back in my first year of uh, Bourbon Net 2002. They had brought in this corporate work-study program. And okay. basically it came from, I think, the Midwest. It was from the Jesuits, but it was a program to where the kids was going to work one day a week, and it helped with tuition. And it actually, it's a great thing now because it kept our school open. But at the time, my first year, it was just the trial run of it. So the kids went to work one day a week on different days and um, uh, all day. 
So freshmen one day, seniors, juniors one day. So I remember we had a meeting in, in the library with all the coaches, and they explained it to us about the program. And they said it's possible that kids can miss games. And Lala was in there, Coach Pete, and none of us was happy with that because we know about kids shouldn't be missing games. We just know that. So that was just a trial run. I didn't have any problems with it that year because I'm coaching basketball. So when the kids, they didn't get back on campus to 3, 3.30 from work. I didn't practice to 5, so it didn't affect me. But for football, you know, practice started for them guys at 2.30. If some of the players ain't back, you know, it was hard. So in 2002, we made it through. But in 2003, it was full in effect that if they had to miss a game, they missed a game. And, you know, I can remember we sat in the meeting again, and I'm like, here, um, I laid it down. So as long as my kids, I can adjust my practices, but you can't allow kids to miss games because I had three seniors who had passed the SAT, who had good, good grades. Now, if, you, if they had a game, they miss a game, and it's a college scout in the stands, and they missed the opportunity of getting a chance to see a college scout. She didn't play basketball where their parents can't afford to send them to school. But like me, right. I got a scholarship to play basketball because I was good at it. You're taking away opportunity from a kid. And I expressed right. that in the meeting. And I uh, I said, and I specifically, I'm like, do you understand a lot of, of us came to Bourbon Day for the sports? Well, we don't want kids to come to Bourbon Day for sports. And I'm like, well, we just want them to be focused on school. And I'm like, don't y'all understand you can't play sports unless you do your schoolwork. Berman Day is known for sports. It ain't taken away from your work program, but the sports is what's going to put your school on a notoriety. So that's why I think that they think that I didn't have the backing of the uh, the, uh, work-study program, and that wasn't the case. All I was saying and what all coaches were saying is our kids cannot miss miss, uh, games because I think that's not fair to the kids. And I actually lost the game that I would have won by 20, because three of my starters wasn't there, you know. Right. But it, it was it was in December, so it didn't really matter. But like I said, it was three seniors that wasn't at the game. That if college scout, scout would have been there, that's the opportunity they missed out on. Right. So you know, and and I heard that part of the reason was because you went to the L.A. Times and told them this information, and that was part of the reason why they didn't bring you back. Is there any truth to that or no? Well, the L.A. Times got wind of it. I didn't go to the L.A. Times. They called me. I don't know how. I guess they heard about the work-study program and everything. But from my understanding, in 2003, before the L.A. LA Times came out, I'd never forget this. The article came out on a day that we had a game at Long Beach State. But the two weeks before that, I had heard they had – Miles Simon's daddy on campus interviewing for my job, and they was going to fire me in the midst of the season. And the only reason why I finished out the season was because the parents said they would not play under nobody else but me. So the L.A. Times article, L.A. Times article came out. I still don't know how I got that article from the L.A. Times, how they got wind of it. I just answered some questions that they asked me about the work-study program, and everything. But, you know, a lot of alumni thought I bought Brad Press. Why would I bring Brad Press to the school to a school that I love? I'm like, come on, man, that don't make no sense. So for a minute, the alumni thought I bought Brad Press, but, you know, it, 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 was, it wasn't that way. Man, I, I mean, 
I, I don't care about the bad, the bad press part, but I think you have some valid concerns because you're right. A lot of those kids, a lot of us, came to that school for sports. And but what the I think what the people, the point that they're miss, missing is that even though a lot of kids come went to Verbum Day because of the sports program, basketball, football, track, baseball, or whatever, Verbum Day still graduated. All, you know a lot high percentage of the students. And, you know, we got people that, that graduated before you and I even went to Bourbon Day, Ronnie, that are lawyers, doctors, right. judges. So the academic part was always there. It wasn't like it wasn't never there. They just implemented a new program, and that's what it is. Because I, I was here in Texas. I moved here in 04. And I uh-huh. called, and they said, Ronnie's not the coach no more. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? I said, this dude just won the championship. They said, yeah, man, something went down with him in the school. I'm like, I, I just couldn't believe that they would do that and and then try to say it's a bunch of different. I just think, you know, people just need to be real about everything and just tell the truth because, you know, I, you know, listening to you now, Ronnie, I, I don't see how you was bad-mouthing the school. I see how you was fighting for your kids. And as a coach. I, that's, that's what I, that's what I did. I fought for my kids. And, and if you um, look at the article about the shoes and everything, uh, we had shoes donated to us from either Andre Miller or Johnny Doyle. And the principal had told me that they didn't have no school budget. So I go out and make a call to Johnny Doyle. He get the shoes. Why do I see faculty members with with, with the kids' shoes on? You, you know, took another thing away from the kids, so that was a big thing. I'm like, come on, man, y'all, y'all kids, y'all, because I'm like, I don't need the shoes. These are for my the basketball players in the program. So right. it was just a lot that went down. That, like I say, um, I probably could have went at went at it a little bit different, but I, I felt I was fighting for my kids. I had three seniors who all went to college, got degree. One of them is a lawyer, right? From that 2003 team, right? So you know. Like you say, the academics was going to take care of itself because you can't play sports without the, academ- without exactly. the academics. You, you know, so I, I – You can't play. Right. And so I, I feel that I probably could have went about it, been a little bit more diplomatic, but I just couldn't – I think I would have been letting down my kids because, see, I, I'm the one that the kids came to crying when they thought they were going to miss the game. They didn't go to the administration. Coach, can you see what you can do to, so I can get to the game? I don't want to miss the game. That's I got that feedback, not the right. not the administration. So what am I supposed to do? Right, exactly. I, I agree with you. And you know, after that incident, and then when Lalo left Verbum Day, I was the Verbum Day of the day, Ronnie. I was done with the school. I like right. I I can't support that school because that that school during the watch riot, that school was not touched. Right. It was not touched. That school has right. been a pillar in that community since 63, 62, and until then. So how are you just going to come in? I know it needs money, but there's other ways to bring money into that school. Look how we got the gym, you know what I'm saying? And right. Instead of, you know, making kids miss a game because where we come from, some of these kids playing sports and having good grades, right, is the only way they're going to get out the neighborhood. That's the only way, and that was, that was, my, that was my only point. That's the only way that some of my kids and all of us was getting out the neighborhood with with one of those balls and good enough grades to get into college. Yes, sir. And so, um, 
But the only thing I got for you, Ronnie, is after that, you haven't coached again. Why, why is that? Why you chose not to coach anymore? Because I, I you know the little bit. You, man. Yeah, I never uh, because I did a little AAU coaching with my nephew, who's now the starting point guard at USC. Um, but because of the sacrifice that you have to make for coaching, um, in yeah. terms of the time that you got to put in, you got to readjust your work schedule. I wasn't really willing to do that at no other okay. school at whatever day, and I and I wasn't gonna just take a job just to coach if I didn't have a chance to win. And I didn't want to have to be out recruiting kids and doing all of that with the sacrifice you need to make. But I would have did that for Birmingham Day. Because my next year, the next year, if I would have been brought back, uh, we was about to do some things the next three years uh, that would have been incredible. You know, so, but I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice at no other school. I understand. So you don't have no regrets, Ronnie, about it? The, the only regrets, the I don't have any reg- like I said, I I wish I probably could have did a little bit different, but I was sticking up for my kids. So in that regard I think I did the right thing. Uh the only regrets is like I said, the next two years we would have won CIF and state, without a doubt. Yeah, that's that that's true, yeah, man. I- it was it was crazy to hear that. I mean, I'm way out in Texas. People telling me about it. I'm like, man, that's kind of crazy. So, Ronnie, um, the last question I got for you, man, um, in a nutshell to you, being a coach means what? Being a coach means that you are got a chance to lead some young men or women, whatever you're coaching, and you're going to instill life lessons on them through basketball, football, or whatever sports you teaching that they're going to carry on for the rest of their life, whether they like you at the time he was coaching. I've got a story for that real quick, too. And okay. uh, the the camaraderie that they're going to uh, have with their teammates. That, as you know, when you own your – you never forget your teammates. And that right. bond that you guys developed over the, that little time to get that you guys were together, because you're only together two days out of the week in that moment, and you uh, – creating a unit that's unbreakable. And the story about a player, uh, Marlon Palmer, um, okay. played for me in Greenwood and, okay. you know, great, great basketball player. Yes, but he, he always thought me me and Greenwood was so hard on him because, you know, at times he was strong-headed and bull-headed, but, boy, was he competitive. A couple of years later, he saw my best friend, and uh, he said, would you please give a message to Coach Gibson for me? He used to be on me so hard at Bourbon Day, and I never understood why. But I want to thank him for riding me the way he did because he taught me so much, and he cared about me, and he helped my game so much to prepare me for college. So you never know that as a kid not, not liking you at the time, but as they mature, they see you had their best interest at heart. Yeah, and, and, and I think that was, was... – so great about Vermeer because not only the coaches but all our teachers was like that man and yeah I rem- I remember when I junior and I I, I dropped that touchdown um, in the championship game and man Coach Elio rode me for a whole year he would see me he go hey Swain he have a football man he fumbling drop it on the ground uh-huh. I want I want to fight Coach Elio so bad man <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But the next year I came back and played pretty good, and we won it again. But only thing that what he was doing, what I didn't realize at the time, he was just making me stronger. And I was stronger. Yeah, you got at Bourbon Day, you know, you got. 
at Bourbon Day, you know you got to have tough skin. Yeah, you do. You have to because you ain't going to survive. I think that's why. You no, know, you're not going to survive. Right. I, I think that's why a lot of people go to Sarah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. Roddy, uh, I have one last question. I, ha- I ha- Actually, that was the last one, but I changed the mind. Um, I think people who coach, especially if you coach for a long time, and I have this thing, like, if you never hear back from some of your former players, to me, I feel like you failed them in making a positive impact on their lives beyond sports. Do you agree with that? Um, You know, I agree with that to an extent because okay. what I look at it as is, you know, people go on about their lives and and different things, so you lose touch. But like I said, some of the memories that you taught them in that gym, I promise you, that it has carried on to them for the rest of their life. Because, you know, a lot of my players, some reach out to me, some don't. But it, it is what it is. But I, one thing they can't say, um, that I didn't give them the best that I could at that moment that was going right. to help them in life going down the line. Okay, yeah. Because like I, I say, I didn't, I, didn't be, I didn't berate none of them. I tried to right. treat them all like men, and I respected all of them. And, and we had fun and practice every day. Right. So, you know, but but the life lessons that I talked to them after practice and before practice, it stuck with them because it was all about being a good black man. Yes, sir. How many shooting contests did you win during practice, man? All of them. Because <laughs> I was I was still I was still in good shape and I was still playing I was still playing uh about three or four times a week and you know me and, when Marlon was there I used to beat him every day. Because he oh, wanted okay. to play me after practice every game, but I would always okay. beat him. But that's not competitive. But you know, I was still playing, so my get my jumper was still tight. It was still tight, right? Okay, Roddy. Now that's that's pretty cool, man. That's hilarious. Uh, what advice would you give someone, young person that's trying to get into the coaching profession? Uh, what advice would you give them going about how to set up their program, how to have a foundation, and how to treat the young men or women, what advice would you give them? Uh, first and foremost, they have to understand that it's going to take the great dedication to be a coach, and you got to be willing to sacrifice and do everything you need to do to be the best coach you can be, whether that's go like I used to. I watch all kind of games on TV. I order books. I tape games. I studied other coaches. I took in all information. Um, that I could from other coaches. You can even listen to commentators, and just listen to everything you can about whatever sport you're trying to uh, coach in. And just soak up all the information, and then whatever you learn, you tailor it to your team at that moment because each team is different. But you take right. in as much information and be willing to, to go out and sacrifice, to go to the gym, go to other football fields, go to other practices and see how they do to incorporate it into your program to help you build a successful program for yourself. Yes, sir. I, I agree with you. I couldn't agree more, man, because I tell people all the time, man, it, it, it's about the kids. It's not about us. Right. And uh, right. That's, how, that's how I take it, man. And, and I really, Ronnie, I really, really appreciate you again, brother, for um, talking to me today, man. And uh, I know you're a busy person. So, man, again, good luck to you, man, the rest of life, man. And hopefully, this COVID could go away and I can come back home to LA and we can chop it up when I come back to LA. Man. Definitely for sure. And uh, I really appreciate you having me. It was fun. I, I could talk basketball all day. And 
Yes, and I sir. might be in Texas. I might be in Texas in November. Uh, okay, you know, you, you, uh, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so it'd be right there in that area. Uh, I'm supposed to go to the Steeler game. We're supposed <laughs> oh, to go to the Cowboys and Steeler game, but we'll see. You know what, dude? I was like, only thing I like about you is you're a cowgirl fan. That is uh, all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dallas is about a three-hour, about two and a half, almost three-hour ride from where I'm at. Uh, oh, okay. My oldest son lives in Dallas, and I got some other friends. I think the 49ers and the Cowboys are supposed to play this year, and they all 49ers yeah. fans, so they come down. I like, man, I come hang out, but don't expect me to come. I might come. Down. I might do that game, too. I'm not for sure, yeah. but we'll see. But I look like it ain't going to be no fans. But, you know, when you come back to L.A., we can always hang out uh, yes, with no problem. All right, man. Ronnie, um, thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. You have a good rest of your day. You, too. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye-bye. For all you coaches that's um, doing right by our kids, I wish you guys continued success. God bless you. And episode three will be out next week. Bye-bye.